Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. We are one movement, one people, one family, and one glorious nation under God. And together, we will make America powerful again. We will make America wealthy again. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. And we will make America great again. Well, hi, friends. Welcome to the final uh, episode for 2023 of Praying for America. Pro-Life leader Frank Pavone here. And we're going to uh, summarize a few thoughts about the Christmas season and the political political doings of our our times. Uh, Dueling Christmas messages, in case you missed it, I want to compare the the two uh, presidential Christmas messages that we got. What What a contrast. And uh, also uh, some people trying to rewrite biblical history about Jesus, uh, putting left-wing talking points into the biblical narrative. And then, of course, uh, a little bit more about the, um, well, I want to say a little bit about what the uh, Pope did recently and what he said recently, and about the President Trump on the ballot and off the ballot and on the ballot again, all this stuff going on uh, at once. It's certainly a lot to comment on, but on this program, of course, even more to pray over. Welcome to this program. Let's start, as we always do, with the Word of God. And I want to go to Matthew's Gospel in chapter 2 and read a a longer passage here because it it, it ties into some of the things that have been said about Jesus, Mary, and Joseph and trying to connect it to the current situation in Israel. But let's get the biblical narrative uh, clear. Matthew 2 begins like this. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. When you have found him, bring me word, so that I may go and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother. They fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. 
Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt, and remained there until the death of Herod, which was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region, who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was written by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in loud lamentation. Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted, because they are no more. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled. He shall be called a Nazarene. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the coming of Christ, and we thank you for the, the way that your hand has guided salvation history, even to the point today, Lord, when we are privileged to be members of this kingdom and living in a country founded on its principles. Enable us, Lord God, to properly understand your word and apply it to the circumstances of our time, and enable us indeed to worship Jesus, King and Priest and Sacrifice. We pray through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, I don't know if you saw it, but there was a controversy stirred over the Christmas weekend about people, including a member of the Catholic clergy, calling Jesus a Palestinian Jew and trying to say that... Uh, uh, well, Jesus and Mary and Joseph, you know, they were refugees from an occupied country and obviously trying to stoke up uh, all kinds of, uh, of, uh, uh, of concern about uh, the Palestinians in Gaza and all this other stuff going on. Uh, and, and, and essentially what's happening here is something that we see happening over a wide range of issues, including the one I'm always dealing with, abortion, where certain religious uh, individuals and leaders will take left-wing talking points and try to use the scriptures to back up those left-wing positions. And uh, in fact, on the abortion issue, there's an entire group called the Religious Coalition for Reproductive Choice. They think the Bible justifies the killing of babies in the womb uh, when it does really just the opposite. And uh, they even have uh, special prayers and blessings and Bible studies uh, in favor of abortion. You can do anything. If you twist scripture, you can justify anything. And the problem here is that, uh, well, the facts of the matter are that there was nobody at Jesus' time that was calling themselves a Palestinian. 
that Jesus was Jewish, both in terms of ethnicity and also religion. And the Matthew's gospel, of course, gives his genealogy, Jesus, a descendant of David, a descendant of Abraham. And Matthew's writing for a Jewish audience precisely to show the Jewishness of the Messiah. But, but, but as we just heard here, in terms of them fleeing to Egypt, this is, wasn't because of, of a situation like, like uh, first of all, those who are using these left-wing talking points completely misunderstand or, or misrepresent deliberately the, the, the nature of the problem over there in, uh, in Israel. And uh, the, the land belongs to Israel. And uh, it's not some kind of occupation. Uh, they misunderstand the present. And then they try to take that misunderstanding and, and impose it onto the biblical uh, narrative. Every time Israel has tried to allow uh, Palestinians to have and enjoy and live peaceably on their own land, what has happened? They've backed terrorist groups who want Israel to be destroyed. It's the simple fact of the matter. Like Golda Meir said, and like we've said often on this program, if uh, Hamas lays down its arms, there will be no more war. If Israel lays down its arms, there'll be no more Israel. This is a this is a, a situation where you, you 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 it takes two to have peace. It takes two, and you right now you only have one. Israel is the one that wants peace. What they're doing there is simply defending themselves. It's a very different situation here in the biblical narrative. The Roman Empire was ruling over the land, and it's no more an occupied state than uh, United States of uh, government is occupying the land here in the United States. Uh, and, and Herod, of course, was a king, a part of the Roman Empire. But it was the hatred for Jesus Christ that led to this situation of fleeing to Egypt. In fact, you see the hand of God intervening directly in all these dreams and these messages because Jesus is, is he's God. And uh, the slaughter of the innocents is a fulfillment of prophecy. The, the passage I just read quotes the prophet Hosea, out of Egypt I called my son, quotes the prophet Jeremiah about Rachel weeping for her children. This is all the unfolding of a prophetic plan of salvation history. This is not something to compare to a, a modern-day situation, which they're misrepresenting in the first place, and then advance left-wing talking points. Come on, come on. And uh, I mean, this is really the bottom line is, 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 you know, I heard some of these commentaries. And if what a person is trying to say is that God in Jesus Christ identifies with every human being and that we have to try to help human beings out of love because of that, well, then the point you need to make is that it's our humanity that God has taken upon himself, which is true, which is what happened at Christmas. God assumed to himself our humanity, but stop making it into identity po politics. You know, we know what identity politics is. And now they're trying to make it into identity religion, identity redemption, identity salvation history. It's not identity. The only identity that, that, that is being assumed into God in the incarnation is our humanity. Jesus is equally uniting himself to every human being. If we're going to be talking about human dignity, that's the basis on which we, on which we assert it. Um, okay, now, let's... It, many people have been asking me, and I'll just address this briefly, about, uh, you know, the Pope's comments about you know, blessing gay couples. And the bottom line with that, brothers and sisters, is 
is, is, is very simple. We as Catholics believe that the Pope, like any other religious leader, is responsible for teaching the word of God and cannot change it. Now, different denominations have different interpretations of what the word of God says, but in the Catholic religion, the interpretation has been the same as, as across the Christian world when it comes to marriage being between one man and one woman, period. There's not a, a, a changing of genders. There's not any allowance for um, gay marriage or, or even even sexual activity among gay people and and uh, it, it's just not it's just not biblical it's just not according to the plan of God and nobody in any denomination has the authority to change that but the problem here isn't even that because the Pope himself and those who are explaining what he said are saying oh no no there's no change of teaching here no we adhere to the teaching okay well then adhere to the teaching clearly. We have a responsibility not only to adhere to the teaching, but to make it clear that that's what we're doing and not to confuse people along the way. St. Paul talks about this when he tells the Corinthians about the eating of meat, right? Sacrifice to idols. He wasn't changing any teaching there about eating the meat sacrifice to idols, but he said to the Corinthians, don't do it. If somebody who sees you doing it is going to get scandalized, is going to get confused, is going to, get, is going to think that you are. Uh, uh, changing the teachings or, or, or worshiping demons. Don't do it for the sake of their conscience, not just yours, but theirs. Uh, this is what we've lost in our day, the sense that, that you know, it, it's not enough. You can't have a, like, a, like an eight-page theological explanation for why what you just said or what you just did lines up with, with, the, with, the, with the Word of God. And meanwhile, leave a whole bunch of other people thinking that you just departed from it. You, part of your responsibility is, is, to, is to make it clear to them, not just make it clear to yourself. And this is what I think is the, is the main issue at stake here, is that you've got these people explaining this, explain, oh, this is what a blessing is. Oh, but it's not a ritual, but they're not wearing vestments. Oh, it's not a marriage. We're blessing a gay couple. Oh, because anybody individually, anybody can, can ask for a blessing. Well, then let them come as individuals. Why are you letting them come as a couple? You see, here's where there's this, people are so naive, so naive, and, and others are so evil, they're trying to confuse people, because we're not in a theological classroom or laboratory here. We're in a culture war, and no matter who might not like that saying, or that doesn't matter, it's the reality. We're in a culture war. There is a systematic and sustained attack on our values, on our faith, on the Word of God, on what we believe and cherish, on marriage, on family, on sexuality, on the dignity of human life. There is a sustained, systematic attack on these things. And which side do you think benefits from this nonsense that's been going on these last few weeks? That, oh, now the Catholic Church says that gay couples can receive a blessing. Which side do you think benefits from that? It's obvious. I mean, <laughs> apparently, to some people, it's not obvious unless they really are trying to deliberately muddy the waters. Brothers and sisters, the fact of the matter is, this is a political battle, and politics is not about position papers. It's about, like Dan Bongino's been summarizing, it's about snapshots and sound bites. That's it. That's how people are influenced politically and in the culture world. Snapshots and sound bites. Soundbite. Pope allows 
Blessings of gay couples. Snapshots. You got the Reverend James Martin there. Picture, the, of course, the fake news media eats it right up. New York Times publishes a photo. He's blessing two guys there holding hands. I ought to put a few quotes from Romans chapter 1 in there. Two guys there holding hands, and he's blessing. What does that mean? What does that say? It's snapshots and it's sound bites. And this is what so many, even in church leadership, seem to be completely oblivious to the kind of war we're in right now. We have got to be crystal clear. We have got to be prophetic. We have got to be consistent. We have got to be courageous. We have got to stop the nonsense. And st God is not a God of confusion. And that's my comment on that. So, Christmas blessings were extended. Christmas messages were extended by President Trump and by the Brandon administration. Let me read the Brandon administration's post here on X for Christmas. Brandon says, This Christmas Eve, my wish for you and your family is that you take a few moments of quiet reflection and find that stillness that's at the center of the Christmas story. May you find peace in this silent night and warmth from those surrounding you. All right, now look, those are nice sentiments. I don't have any objection to the, the sentiment itself. But what's missing from that Christmas greeting? The name of Jesus. Isn't this about the birth of Jesus Christ? Why did he avoid it? You remember when we commented here on this program back at Thanksgiving time, the Thanksgiving message that came out of the Brandon administration? What was that missing? It was missing any mention of God. And there's a reason for this vagueness in both cases. And throughout Democrat circles, you see this pattern all over the place. Remember at the Democrat convention going all the way back 2020, oh, one nation, indivisible, with liberty, but they left out under God more than once in the, in the Pledge of Allegiance at the convention. Why? Listen, understand what's going on here. Christmas is far too specific for many people. In a society filled with moral relativism, to say we're talking about the birth of Jesus Christ as God and Savior, and he gives his teachings and his gospel. That's very specific. That doesn't allow you any wiggle room to sidestep the commandments, to write your own moral code, or to make God in your own image. The fact of the matter is God made us in his image, and he gives us the teaching and the moral code. Yeah, but for, see, for some people, they don't want that because they want to do their own thing. So if you say, oh, well, Thanksgiving is a time, it's just for giving thanks. What? He's not saying who you give thanks to, because the idea there is you want to give space for a lifestyle where people can give thanks to whoever in the world they want. It doesn't have to be a God, because if there's a God, you have to answer to him. You see? Oh, if you say, oh, well, Christmas, well, just take some time for reflection, stillness, and warmth with the people around you. Well, the people around you, that might be, you know, your gay lover. There's still warmth and there's stillness there and reflection. Oh, and you're perfectly happy. Never mind the moral teaching about how you're supposed to live. Never mind that. You see what this does? This is the reason for this. 
The re- it's not, oh, well, we don't want to offend people that are, that are not Christian. They don't want to offend people that are not moral. They want to open the door here to be able to say, you're celebrating Christmas, but you're living life as if there's no moral code, no gospel, no Christ, no revelation of what God actually wants from us, and that's it. No God. These people should be ashamed of themselves. They should come out and say it in plain language. If they don't think that that we're a society based on God anymore, and the Democrat Party certainly doesn't want that, well then, say it. You don't believe it? You don't want that stuff anymore? You don't want very specific commandments? You don't want a Judeo-Christian society? Once again, like we were saying and commenting on the other thing, there's been a sustained, systematic attack on what we believe and hold. And that shows forth here in these kinds of vague, cloudy, misty, milquetoast, wimpy kinds of messages. By contrast, let me play for you the Christmas message that President Trump sent. Hopefully you saw it, but notice the difference in this message. Let's watch. Melania and I would like to wish everyone a happy, joyous, and wonderful Christmas season. In this holy time of year, Christians everywhere give thanks that over 2,000 years ago, God sent His only Son into the world to be the Savior of all mankind. The birth of Jesus Christ is the true miracle we celebrate each Christmas. He is the ultimate source of our joy, our hope, and our sense of peace and goodwill as we gather with family and loved ones. It is such a great time of the year. This is why we can never stop saying that beautiful phrase, Merry Christmas. This holiday, we give thanks for many blessings God has bestowed upon us. We pray for the safety of our men and women in uniform at home and abroad. And we ask God to guide us, give us strength, and watch over us in this pivotal year ahead. With His help, by this time next year, we will be well on our way to making America safer, stronger, greater, and more prosperous than ever before. Once again, Milani and I wish you a very Merry Christmas. God bless you all. May 2024 be the best year of our lives. He knows how to think about greatness, how to talk about greatness, how to think uh, forward in a positive way. But most importantly, he proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ. He said what Christmas is about. And that puts us on a very specific track. Now, people can accept that or they can reject it, but at least it's clear what it is. That's what we need, the clarity of what it is. If Jesus Christ is Lord, we're not. If Jesus is born and he is God, and that's what this is about, that it's welcoming a truth from God. It's not writing the truth ourselves. I have my morality, you have yours. I have my truth, you have yours. I have my choice, you have yours. No, it's about welcoming the truth that God has revealed in what? In the birth of Jesus Christ, not in some kind of reflection and stillness and warmth with those around us. Thank you, President Trump, for for actually talking about what it is that we're celebrating and have been celebrating for 2,000 years. You know, our Christian faith is under attack. Christmas is under attack for the very reasons that I've just laid out. And here's something that President Trump said in one of his recent Iowa rallies, and I hope you're watching all his rallies. By the way, we're putting them all on PresidentTrumpRallies.com. You know, you can watch them there as they happen. You can go back and watch them afterwards. Don't miss any of them. Well, just, just immerse yourselves in these, in these messages. But here's one of the things he said recently. When I am back in the White House, never again will your government be used 
to target Christians and other religious believers. Upon taking office, I will create a new federal task force on fighting anti-Christian bias to be led by a fully reformed Department of Justice, not a weaponized Department of Justice, a fully reformed Department of Justice, not a Department of Justice that raids the homes of people like Mark Houck in the morning with FBI agents with their guns drawn. We're going to honor Mark, by the way, at the National Prayer Service in Washington on the day of the March for Life. Check out nationalprayerservice.com. Uh, but you see what, what what's happening here? And this is one of the reasons why the left is doing and the Democrat Party is doing everything possible to keep President Trump out of the White House now by trying to keep him off the ballot. Now, we talked about this months and months ago, you'll remember, we were among the first talking about this effort of the left to try to get actually keep him off the ballot under this clause in the 14th Amendment that says uh, was meant was meant to keep Confederates off uh, who had betrayed the the the, the nation by uh, in the Civil War from holding public office. It's never been applied in the way they're trying to apply it now to keep a presidential candidate off the ballot. Uh, but um, they're trying, and now, of course, of course, in Colorado, as you know, uh, the state Supreme Court said he should not be on the ballot, but they stayed their own ruling, and now it's been appealed by the Republican Party of Colorado to the Supreme Court, and that means that they, that means essentially, unless the Supreme Court were to act in the next few days, uh, that President Trump will be indeed on the ballot in Colorado. Um, because uh, uh, we, the, because the impact of the appeal is to extend the the hold or the stay on this order to remove him from the ballot. Um, meanwhile, we have a um, not a court but a, a secretary uh, a, a, of state in um, Maine saying that his that he should not be on the ballot there. But that's going to go into the court uh, system, of course. And then it went into the court system in Michigan, and the Michigan Supreme Court said, no, 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 we, we, can't, we can't remove him from the ballot. He's going to stay on. So you already have all this bubbling up, as is predictable, this bubbling up of differences of approach and opinion. And that's why it makes it all the more both necessary and likely that the Supreme Court will weigh in on this. And uh, I'm confident of the outcome of that. He has not even been charged much less convicted of insurrection and the even the even the democrat colorado court was divided four to three um so you don't have a situation here that's likely to succeed for those who want to keep them off the ballot but the very fact that they're trying should wake everybody up no matter what their political preferences are to the fact that we don't have a, a normal political debate going on here or a normal election by any means, this is not a normal election. This is the weaponization of government. This is an effort to bypass the will of the voters, and that's why all voters, no matter what their political preferences, should be rising up in protest against this nonsense. You think President Trump did something that disqualifies him from office? Well, then the, the way you work that out in America is you vote against him. That's all. The fact of the matter is he didn't do anything wrong, and we should be voting for him. And that's how we make America great again. Brothers and sisters, thank you for uh, listening. Let's uh, turn to the Lord again in prayer. Father, we praise you and we thank you. This uh, season of Christmas brings us new hope. Lord, make our celebration of this feast very specific. Allow us the, the clarity and the courage to say what it is that we are doing. 
enable our country to flourish with religious freedom and with political freedom. Stop these efforts, Lord God, of, of interference in this election by election officials, state officials, or judges. Bless the Supreme Court in, in its wisdom, but also give courage to those on our side to, to fight fire with fire. And if the techniques are being used uh, against us, that more will find the courage to apply these techniques also to the other side. Give courage, Lord God. Give a fighting spirit to those of us who are on the right side of freedom, of America, and of justice. And we ask you, Lord God, to, to bless uh, all our fellow citizens as we enter this election year. Bring America back on course as you have willed it. And we pray now in the words Jesus gave us, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Happy New Year, friends. And we'll be talking to you not on um, January 1st, but on January 2nd. We'll be back on Tuesday. Have a wonderful New Year's weekend and bring others back when we resume for more of Praying for America. Connect with me on social media in the meantime at FR Frank Pavone and be assured of my prayers for you. God bless. This is Father Dennis Wild, pastor and associate of Priests for Life. Been in the organization for 25 years and it's marvelous because I want to tell you today about financial support for one of our most effective pro-life ministries in the world. Priests for Life has been leading the fight against abortion for decades. We are led by a strong and varied team of pro-life activists and experts in mobilizing churches, electing pro-life candidates, leading prayer efforts, publishing and broadcasting, healing the wounds of abortion, uniting pro-life leaders in strategy, meetings, defending life in the international arena. All of this, Priests for Life does not receive church funding or government grants. We rely on you for individual donations. We have very high evaluations among charities and top security on our donation site, prolifegift.org. You can go there for a one-time gift or to become a monthly donor. Or you can call us at 321-500-1000. That's 321-500-1000. God bless you. Priests for Life, saving lives for over 30 years. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.